The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready for operational excellence? Welcome to the Visual Workplace, work that makes sense, where your host and visual workplace expert, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, shares powerful visual principles and practices to optimize your operations and make them safer, faster, better, and far less costly. The Visual Workplace. You can't get to excellence without it. Now, here's Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. Hi, hi. I'm Gwendolyn Galsworth, as you probably have known three times in the last five minutes. <laughs> I'm Gwendolyn Galsworth, and I'm your host on this, our weekly radio show about letting the workplace speak. In each of our shows, we look at some aspect of that, of how to embed the intelligence of our operational system into the physical living landscape of work, and we do that through visual devices. We do that by embedding the language of visual devices into our work environment. Why do we do it? What is that purpose? So many purposes, but certainly it's so that we can work with greater focus, precision, pace, quality, safety, so that we can be level with the cost that things are supposed to cost, and so that we can make better profit margins. Another reason is so we can enjoy ourselves along the way. We can come to work and love our work, love to be at work. We can come to work to think as Taichi Ono likes to tell us. Hmm? So we let the workplace speak. Visuality, when it is in place, in a way is so natural and so seamlessly understood by us that these devices are pretty much hidden in plain sight. They're there. We take them for granted just the way we do when we walk across a highway. Sorry, I'm sorry, walk across the street. Do not walk across the highway. Walk across the street and the light is there and the zebra stripes in the um, walkway tell us exactly what is our path to get across the street and the roads uh, speak. They speak to us. They speak to us when we're in our cars. They speak to us as pedestrians. So we bring that same intelligence, embedded intelligence, into the physical workplace and it makes work smooth, fluid. Today, I'm going to be traveling with some depth into an important core mechanism in your visual conversion process, one we've touched upon before, but I've never really given you the details of. And it's called the Visual Workplace Steering Team. Lots of benefits, I'm sorry, lots of companies, lots of companies can benefit from setting one up. But most companies don't know about it. They don't understand what a visual workplace steering team is or how it functions, why it's so important. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. And we'll get to it in just a moment. In fact, I'm going to go very quickly through just a bunch of announcements, Very uh, a couple of announcements very quickly. First, our beautiful and quiet summer continues. I've had a chance to work with several plants in this quiet, and in the next couple of shows, I want to, or at least the next one, I want to share some of the things that I have seen there, some of the learnings that I think, some of the evidence that I think you'll be interested in as well. You know, and the thing is, it's a, a remarkable thing that over the last now almost a year, I think we're in our 10th or 11th month of this show, many of you have listened regularly either by our free podcast on iTunes or during the show like today. And you're developing a real facility in seeing the world that, that I see, which is a world of visuality, a world of our senses, a world that is speaking to us even though it is for all intents and purposes silent. And you're increasingly understanding the model, which is terrific. And we are having a conversation, such as we are today. We're going to have a conversation built on your growing understanding of the model that um, I've been describing over these last 
nine, ten months. And this is a joy to me because it means that I have comrades. You are my comrades. We are comrades in thinking about this great outcome called workplace visuality. So beyond that, um, we will post our public events, um, which start at towards the end of September. We'll post them probably by tomorrow, which is Wednesday. We're a little bit late. We've been lazy this summer. And right now I want to get on to the topic of today, which is called Empowerment on Steroids, the Steering Team. What companies nowadays seek is way... Is, is ways to, or should it be our ways, companies seek ways to build empowerment in the organization. But I have to add, as long as the empowerment does not go too far, there are worries, especially on the management level, that if you go too far with this empowerment thing, you'll end up with the storming of the Bastille with some kind of mayhem or anarchy, things will get out of control because basically people will get out of control. They'll have too much power. CEOs and plant managers may not say this in polite company, but the worry is still often there right under the surface. So today we are going to look at going too far, going far too far in principle for many people, but I hope that I will speak persuasively to you to consider establishing a visual workplace steering team because you know what? The steering team, and you can call it by any name you like, you can call it uh, any name you like, the la-di-da team, it's made up entirely of associates, of value-add associates, of operators, hourly employees, line people. And in that capacity, they're going to have a direct line of reporting to the side executive. The result is not anarchy. It's not even disturbance. The result is a really phenomenal deepening and growth in your company work culture and also in your empowerment. So we're going to slide into a break now and we'll pick this up as soon as we come back. I'll see you in just a minute. We're just beginning this conversation. Thank you. You'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, this is Gwendolyn. Welcome back. And we are today looking at Empowerment on Steroids, the Visual Workplace Steering Team. This is a steering team made up of value-add associates that is part, as we'll soon talk about, that is part of the three-legged stool, part of the structure that ensures the success of your rollout. If you remember, there was the visual workplace champion who resourced it. 
the visual workplace coordinator, who is the project leader, usually with a lead team of folks, buddies, who will help the coordinator lend a hand because the job is complex and it's uh, kind of pressureful. Okay, and then the steering team. The steering team doesn't happen until later. Usually happens six to seven to eight to ten weeks after the launch of your training. And one of the reasons for that is we want steering team members, the value-add associates, to make sure that they already like visuality before they get on the team. And this team is made up of all volunteers. While an announcement is made, usually with one person representing each of the areas involved in that first cycle, and if there are multiple shifts, then there are steering team members on other shifts as well, on all shifts. So you got to work that out. If you got tricky shifts, you got to figure out how to work that out. And you say, let's say the five areas, let's make this one shift to make things simple. One per, there's a seat or there's a place for one person from each of the five uh, initial targeted areas. The way that we do this is first come, first serve. Here's a sheet, or you can tell the visual workplace coordinator or me, your trainer, that you want to participate in the team. And the team is simply helping to make sure that the implementation stays on track, that if we made mistakes in the past with our other rollouts, somebody reminds us that we're making them again, you will be meeting by yourself and it's strictly volunteer. This is me now, the trainer, talking to the group. The third or fourth time they meet, maybe the fifth, depending on your pacing, your training pacing. And I say, we aren't going to recruit you. We aren't going to motivate you. We're going. We're not going to urge you. We're simply letting you know. Because we want people who care about the implementation to sign up. We don't want you to do it out of duty. We want you to do it because you're spirited and engaged in this rollout. Part of your job will be to protect it and to support the rollout. And I'll give you more detail later on. And you wait to see who signs up. So that's the end of the little speech that the trainer will make. And people will sign up. You'll get one person, two person, people, three, four. You may wait for the fifth. You may decide to begin with four. But if there are only three people, it's really hard to start a steering team with only three people. So you wait until a certain fullness is reached. And sometimes it takes a month. Sometimes it takes two months, but you do not recruit. It must be coming from the heart. And as you might guess, the people who volunteer are your rowers. Remember our discussion about rowers and watchers and grumblers? There is an exception to that. I may have a chance to tell you that story. Okay? The rowers volunteer because they love it. They found Bill Antunis, John Pacheco, Louis Cantadio, Mildred Williams, Beverly Scabilia. These are all folks from United Electric who will be part of our discussion today. I mean, we'll be talking about United Electric today. Unfortunately, I don't have those folks with me. But they volunteered to join the steering team to help it along its way. To help the visual conversion along its way. Right? So what we're doing here is we are giving people an opportunity to participate in a mechanism, if you will, for self-leadership. We are cultivating the power of the value-add associate. We are using cultivation, not standardization, cultivation as the um, approach to define the process of what we're doing. And we're taking our rowers and giving them an opportunity, if they should choose, to get more involved. This takes about 45 minutes a week. Once the rhythm starts happening, it can happen every other week. And there are certain tasks that go on, and I'm going to describe those tasks as well. But what I want to make very, very clear, and what steering teams will make very, very clear, is that the steering team is not the police. The steering team is not there to make sure that their colleagues, their fellow hourly employees are either keeping things neat and clean, following visual standards or creating visuality. No, not at all. Their job is to help in 
strengthening and sustaining and troubleshooting visual workplace activities that are going on right now. Their purpose is so that visual thinking becomes a way of life in our company. And the way they do that are usually five things. Number one, they model the values of the visual workplace code of conduct, which we went over several weeks ago when we we did, I believe, sustain one. So we're modeling the behaviors that we want from others. That's part of their job. The second thing is they're staying open and available to the input and feedback of their fellow associates. So they're listening a lot. They're letting people know I listen. They're helping to facilitate the implementation by keeping their eye on what's going on. We kind of call this the word on the street. They're keeping their thumb on the pulse of how is the implementation going and where is it getting snagged. It might be snagged because they simply don't have enough time to do improvement. It might get snagged because maintenance, even though it's trying hard, is not giving enough time for the kinds of devices that the operators uh, need to have built or designed. Okay, so these are concrete steps. They take concrete, specific steps to improve and strengthen the rollout. And they share the needs and concerns and their recommendations with the management champion and with the visual workplace coordinator. And yet they keep confidentiality. And at United Electric, one of the things they said was, we are not the police. We are not the police. They wanted to make sure that people knew that they weren't there to spy. And not only that, this group has no authority on purpose. Because if they have authority, you know what they're going to look like? They're going to look like managers. And if they're managers, then they're going to look like they're, well, I don't want to use this word too strongly, but it'll feel like, you know, you're spying on us. They don't want to be perceived as management having authority. We are, this is what the United Electric Controls steering team wrote. And United Electric Controls is this great company I worked with in, in the 1990s. They are still growing strong, going strong with fabulous employee empowerment. And it began slightly before I got there, but this, the visual rollout that we did at the beginning of the 1990s was seminal in their development. And this is what they wrote in their purpose statement. To make it clear, we are the eyes and the ears of UE, United Electric. We listen. We bring to our steering team discussion your concerns, your problems, and your recommendations related to the visual conversion process. If you need help, ask us. We are the link between operations and management. We will help the company develop standards necessary to the long life of visuality, but we will not police people to clean up their areas or badger anyone to follow visuality. We are here to help. We are here to help, to help you get involved and stay engaged, and we are here to promote the visuality process. Beautiful. Leading by example. And previous to their volunteering to become a steering team member, they were simply involved in the rollout. And then the opportunity came up, the third leg of the stool, hey, we're looking for volunteers, says the trainer, says even the supervisor, says the visual workplace coordinator, we're not going to recruit you, but as soon as we have, we have five spots, as soon as we get four people, we'll start our, our first meeting. So I hope you consider it. Just like that, very low key. And these... These steering team members, and I'll just continue to use my my name for them, but you call them what you're comfortable with. These steering team meet, members, they meet by themselves. If anybody else is in the room, including myself, when I would coach, I'm there by invitation. The coordinator comes in by invitation. The, uh, the steering team might invite the um, maintenance director or, or a technician in by invitation in order to ask them, hey, help us understand how this works. Can you just kind of explain it? We're trying to be helpful, but things are stuck right now. And how does this kind of thing work? And they'll listen. They'll listen. They will also, following a theme of concern, if there's a repeated concern that people confide, they will listen and try to collect an understanding of what's going on 
And then maybe, maybe some kind of visual process standard is needed. Maybe. And they'll, they will make a recommendation. They can't put any standards in place themselves because they have no authority. But they can go to the management champion, the ranking side executive, and say, sir, we're seeing this big hole here. This is the way it behaves. And here's our recommendation. And the champion doesn't need to pay any attention. But, of course, because his focus is on empowerment and he's resourced the change anyway, he wants people to develop levels of self-leadership. So there's a proposal of a new standard, a little bit stronger than a recommendation, and the management champion will review it and then approve it and announce it. Okay? But is how valuable is that to have, to have people who are enthusiastic about a change structured into a formal body and working within that body to support management anyway, which is always overtaxed by every improvement initiative, even when they have separate offices of improvement. They can always benefit from the word on the street. And the word on the street is like this. It is about listening. So I'm going to try something here on the radio, see if I can do this. Here's the word on the street. You have the senior, the steering team members, they're all listening, like as though their ear is laid on a table. They're all, their heads are down and their ear is laid on a table and they're listening and they're listening and suddenly somebody hears something. Oh, did you hear that? Oh, did you hear that? What does that mean? Did you hear about that rumble over there in the northeast corner? In 2086B, what do you think that means? Oh, we had a rumble on our side too. Oh, let's watch out. Let's pay attention. Let's see if there's something important going on here that we have access to. Because we're right here on the shop floor and it's like that. Now, after the break, we're going to go into a break in a moment. After the break, I want to talk to you about the very beautiful process of developing people who are in a way isolated associates coming together from five different departments and learning how to make decisions learning how to see from the point of view of yes we could say sustaining but it's strengthening supporting and cultivating a change that they probably better or as well as anybody else in the company knows is needed to lend the support, not just through their inventiveness, but through the development of their self-leadership without any authority. That takes cleverness to be able to lead without authority. No, truly, not as if you have no authority, but actually with no authority. (laughs) So let's look at this. I want you to really consider getting your associates much more powerfully involved that even, even beyond their ideas. Because you do that for managers. Managers have great ideas. They excel at school or they excel in the company and you promote them. But you really can't exactly promote shop floor associates unless you make them supervisors or team leaders. But this is something to the left or the right of that. It's going to take 45 minutes a week, maybe 45 minutes every other week. It'll take you about two or three hours the first few weeks because you're grooming New leaders. We'll talk about that as soon as we come back from the break. Talk to you in a minute. Thank you. Bye. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. 
Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Listening to The Visual Workplace, Work That Makes Sense, with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1 866 472 5790. That's toll free 1 866 472 5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, this is Gwendolyn Galsworth, and you are at the Visual Workplace, and today we're talking about empowerment on steroids, the Visual Workplace Steering Team, a group of volunteers from the value-add level, hourly employees who volunteer to sit on a team, and the mandate of that team is to stay in touch with how the rollout is going in each area, and then collectively to look for ways to strengthen those efforts and to make either proposals or recommendations to the management champion so that visual, visuality, visual order, visual workplace takes deeper roots and spreads and visual thinking becomes a way of life in the company. Okay? So we were talking just before the break of the uh, purpose of the steering team but also I said that I wanted to talk to you about how you can really take the process of the steering team to develop leaders. I mean, I remember one plant manager in a stamping factory. We were talking about the steering team made up of hourly associates, and he said, he said, and that, that the hourly associates would help to lead the way to visual, to greater visuality. And he said, lead, lead, how are they going to lead? My shop floor crew is smart and tough. But they're going to need more than bulletin boards and and uh, supplies if they're supposed to lead this process. In fact, we found that there was a way to help people find the leader within, to find that strength that they bring to their homes and their strength and their churches and to their sports and bring it for the benefit of the company. I'm going to speak very briefly about United Electric. We will be interviewing the owner and uh, president. For many, many decades, they, uh, United Electric Controls outside of Boston has been led by Dave Reese. And I spent many years there. Um, it, in 1987, um, the company began to shift from traditional to lean manufacturing under Dave's leadership and also under the leadership of Bruce Hamilton. He was the VP of operations and later came to run Greater Boston Manufacturing Partnership. But this, the company began a process of self-educating, searching out methods and techniques that explained the change that needed to happen. They knew they needed to change. So they had book study groups that started with managers and associates alike. They had action centers, team-based problem-solving project projects. They tried a whole bunch of tools that at the time were brand new in rapid succession. I was there for much of this, quick changeover, policy deployment, Pokeyoke, I beta cited my course on Pokeyoke that Shingo, Shigeo Shingo himself had asked me to develop. Smart Simple Design, another, another, um, focus of mine that actually we're going to spend four or five shows on probably in September. So I got to know UE very, very well. They won the Shingo Prize, one of the first Shingo Prizes in 1990, uh, for manufacturing excellence, etc., etc. We began there, it was like, I think it was the spring of 1992, it might have been the winter, and we began there with visual wear. In the first three months, there were eight shop floor teams, that would be eight different areas trained. They participated in six half-day learning sessions, right? And the shop floor learned to think in a different way and also improve at the same time. And about the fourth or fifth session, I'm sorry, about the fourth session, people learned about the need for a visual workplace steering team. The call went out for volunteers, and lots of folks raised their hands. It was really qu- quite wonderful. 
The thing about the steering team is that it is not project-based. It is not responsible for successfully completing some kind of a project within a certain amount of time. The visual workplace steering team is designed to share the responsibility for a long-term process of company-wide change with a fully functioning visual workplace as its ultimate goal. So, you know, if your company is new to this idea of empowerment or company-wide change, you may feel a strong temptation to put a manager in charge of the visual workplace steering team precisely because the process is ongoing, not time-bound, and because steering team members will not, at the beginning, exhibit the set of skills, meeting and leadership skills, needed to run something. But in fact, that's a mistake. We, we approach it another way. And I want to suggest to you to resist getting a manager directly involved, but instead to take the team through a series of very, very simple trainings. Very simple. You can use a skilled facilitator to walk them through. I used to just coach them through. And it was very simple. I gave them a list of 20. We brought them together and we explained what I'm going to explain to you now. We said, you know what, you guys have to kind of learn a lot rather quickly because this is a new experience for you. And in order to learn, I'm going to talk to you about something called meeting norms. The word norms is short for normative behavior. And norms spell out, normative behavior, norms spell out what team members expect of each other, and what they're going to do together. So your first order of business, I'm just spending today with you to ask, answer your questions, but the next meeting you're going to be doing on your own, right away, right away. We say, do this on your own because you can. Your first order of business is to set your meeting norms. I'm going to give you a packet, 22, 26 norms, and I want you to go through it. It might take you a couple of meetings. It might take you three. But I want you to focus on these questions and come to a way of deciding. And there are three types of norms. Logistic norms. That means norms that deal with where you're going to meet, when, how many times you're going to meet, how long will the meetings last. So logistic norms. Second is going to be task norms. And these norms deal with the way you will divvy up and accomplish your duties and your tasks during and in between meetings. Team roles, team tools, things like that. So task norms deal with the action or the content side of your sessions. But there's a third category. And the third category I call process norms. And these process norms are about how team members agree to, te- to treat each other to treat each other during and in between meetings, how discussions will be conducted, how decisions will be made and unmade, how do you change your mind, and how the business of the team will get done. So these process norms deal with the people or the value sides of your sessions. And I'm going to give you a list. And in each case, these three types of norms, and there are 25 of them to choose from, will We'll give you choices, and I'll give you guys an example of of each so you can get a sense. And there'll be an asterisk around the norm that so far most other steering teams have chosen, just so you know. We're not saying that you have to. And we talk to our steering team members like this. We give them the structure, and we immediately give them simple decisions to make. And what happens over the process of these two or three meetings where they go through these norm sheets is within the structure of the norms, they get to know each other. They have something concrete to talk about. They formulate their identity in the process of making those decisions about norms, which will also be who's going to run, who's going to be the point person who opens the meeting, who's going to keep track of notes, who's going to be the timekeeper, who's going to be the gatekeeper, all of that stuff. It's a crash course, and I've never seen a steering team that isn't up to it. Wonderful steering teams that will be together for a year. People will 
They will decide how someone rotates off and someone else comes on. And they become very, very strong members of the strategic improvement structure of the company. For example, at Denison Hydraulics, steering team members were so committed that they became internal consultants so that when an area wanted to go to green or thought they were at yellow, they would say, hey, could we have a couple of steering team members to come in and kind of vet our um, our level and see if we got it all? And they'd come through. You know, they'd maybe take 10 minutes. They'd come through, voice their opinion, and be a support. And then maybe after that, the coordinator would get involved. And in one company, and this happened to be at United Electric, people began, they did it through 5S first. The steering team members began to master the S's, and they would teach it to other groups. So someone was in charge of S1, someone else taught S2, someone else taught S3. And it's basically because in bringing them through this process, which I'm going to put more description on right he- right now, this process of, of setting our norms, they began to find their strength and there was enough structure for them to make tiny little mistakes or misspeak or whatever and still continue. And you know I'm the I am the queen of structure. I love structure that allows us enough breathing room to grow and to test our wings and to test out new behaviors. It isn't just throwing people in a room and say, get better, improve, focus on something. It isn't politics as usual. It's very intentional. And by the way, I'm happy to send you this, uh, let me see what I call it. I call it team meeting norms. It's about seven, ten pages. You uh, write to me at radio at visualworkplace.com and we'll send this out to you. And then you go through it and you leave and you're not in the room. These are adults with families. They pay their mortgages. And, you know, you check in. You make sure. You check in afterwards. Everything okay? Anything I can help you with? No, go away. <laughs> That's normally what I hear. No, go away. We got it. We got this one. But we we allow the structure. So let me give you some examples of um, – so it says, this packet contains 24, but I think there's 25 – Items designed to guide you and your team through the norm-setting process. Most items are in the form of a question followed by several preset answers from which you may choose. Okay, ideally, each team member gets this packet a few days ahead of your first meeting so that you have time, I'm summarizing now, to review the document in advance and sort through your preferences. Coming to a common or joint agreement on these norms becomes the first order of business at your first meeting without me. So keep your sense of urgency about the process and expect it to take one to three sessions. And by the time your norms are set, you and your Colleagues will have a much clearer sense of each other and how to proceed with the business of helping to steer an effective rollout of workplace visuality in your company. So I'm getting a signal from my excellent, most excellent studio technician that uh, we have to go into a break and I'll give you a, a sample of these norms. If necessary, we'll continue this uh, through a second program. We can go into much more detail and more examples. Let me know if you're interested. And if I don't hear an Uh, from you about your interest, then I'll just make up my own mind and maybe you'll hear some more about steering team next week. Okay, see you in a minute. This is Gwendolyn. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. 
When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, this is Gwendolyn Galsworth, and you are at the Visual Workplace. Today, we're talking about the steering team empowerment on steroids. And this is a team, special team of people who have volunteered their shop floor, hourly employees, their value-add associates, who have volunteered to sit on a team and to make sure that the rollout, that the conversion, that the implementation stays on track, that if mistakes that have been made before, that have kind of thrown a wrench in things, start rearing their lovely little heads again, that this team notices it and goes to tell the champion or goes to tell the coordinator, hey, you're doing it again. You're blowing it again. Please, we care about visuality. So please, let's protect it. We got a few suggestions. Would you think about this? Would you think about that? Open door policy on the champion and the coordinator. Very, very valuable word on the street. Okay? So we're talking about how do you give these associates who many times will go through a day without hearing their own voice. They'll just get to their work and stay silent many, many times. Or in a meeting will never speak up. Never really uh, form their thoughts, never even think about it, let somebody else speak. How do you get them to the place where they have enough confidence to go knock on the door of the ranking side executive and have a half an hour, 45 minute conversation hmm? and dare to be away from work can justify the value of what they're contributing as steering team members as valuable enough to justify that they are not producing at this moment because the people who are going to worry about that the most is not really going to be you. It's going to be the associate themselves, the associates themselves who are very, very well aware of how important it is for work to be done correctly and on time. Well, you do it through this setting of the norms. This is what I've discovered. And you have these three types of norms. The first is logistics. And it's just, number one, meeting frequency. How often will we meet? Such a simple question. And you talk about it. Should we meet once a week, twice a week, twice a month, or something else? There's always a blank or something else. And you talk about it. Such a simple task. The answers are going to be so easy. And you see, that's a way of normalizing the group. You give them a simple task where there are no wrong answers, where everybody can participate equally. And you know what happens? Suddenly, everybody in the room is equals. Everybody in the room is an equal to everybody else. You create parity through these structured tasks, but these simple tasks. It'll get more complicated. How long do you want to meet? 15 to 30 minutes, 60 to 90, 45 to 60. You talk about that. What time do you want to meet? Where do you want to meet? And here's one, logistics. A little bit harder. What does a majority mean to us? Hmm? What does a majority mean? What does timeliness mean? Does that mean starting exactly on time? Does it mean wait for everyone to arrive? Does it mean wait for three of us to arrive? Or not be later than... Uh, wait seven minutes or until half the time arrives or until a majority arrives because we just defined what majority means. So those are the types of logistics tasks. Tasks related to um, roles is also very, very important. That should be okay. What leadership roles are essential to running the meeting? Should we have somebody organize and facilitate one of us? Should we have a timer, a recorder? What about outside people? Can they come in? What about team rotation? What about what is our expectation about how often one of us has to show up for these meetings? And what happens if somebody doesn't show up chronically? So they go through these 25 items. How will we review our norms to make sure they're relevant or we need something else later on. That's number 23. You go through this. It takes two or three days. And people talk to each other through this simple focus 
on setting up the right structure. The steering team also has another mechanism. It's called an action worksheet where they put down their decisions and they're kind of their agenda. Okay? And they get used to leading. Leading through their own example, leading in their steering team process itself. And they, and this is very, very, a very riveting task. It's strengthens people and helps them become more, a, a bigger contributor to the company if they want that. If they want that, this is a really good avenue for them. You know, I think uh, next week I will uh, talk about, to follow this up, although I hadn't planned to, I want to talk to you about how we teach uh, steering team members to make the distinction between task and process so that they develop a sensitivity on whether or not this meeting is going to be about process, how we interact with each other, or whether we can, we're going to just do some work. And how you decide that. And I'll talk to you about something that I learned years ago and I don't even know where about a pyramid and a bar. And the bar moves up and down the pyramid. So I'll describe that for you next week. I'm not going to have time to really map that out. Members of the steering team are typically enthusiastic or wildly enthusiastic about visuality. To many, visuality is an answer to one of their long-standing prayers. Please, dear Lord, let me find work with dignity and let me be productive. Steering team members are no exception to that. Members of the team will come to a weekly session and still be completely human and complain about the seeming lack of involvement of a lot of people. The grumblers are grumbling, the watchers are watching, the rowers, them, (laughs) mostly them, feel alone and unsupported. And individual team members can vent and they'll get support there. Because one of the things you do during the norm process is you pledge confidentiality. And then with their grievances off their chest, individual members can earnestly begin to watch, to listen, to, to, to see, to look for opportunities to get others involved, even one person, and begin to shift this thing away from the watchers and the grumblers. So they can do this work as well. It's very, very beautiful. And they do this holding their own counsel. And in a way, I mean, think of it. Think of it. If you could really be that fly in the wall and know what happens, managers, when you leave the room. It's not that we're squealing on anyone, but steering team members begin to identify when shifts happen, when there's a shift in commitment, when there's a shift in interest, when somebody on the upper levels has made a mistake and an apology is needed, all of this stuff that really affects us very deeply. So I want to recommend to you this steering team, and I'll go more into their kind of daily life. But sometimes, uh, in our next show, sometimes a steering team member, mem- steering team will take on concrete tasks. They might design the bulletin board for the visual rollout, even though that is a management task. You can say, hey, steering team, we're going to be putting up bulletin boards. If you've got any great ideas, can you bring them to us in about 10 days? We need to kind of rethink our bulletin board thing because we aren't doing it right. And they'll think about that. That's a specific task. Mm-hmm. It At United Electric, once a month, the steering team would interview, it took about 10 minutes, would interview someone and ask them a question about how do you think things are going, what do you like, what do you don't, and they would just put it up on the answer up on a bulletin board. It would be called uh, the Visual Workplace Highlight of the Week. Was that what it was called? I'm pretty sure it was the Visual Workplace. Uh, It was the Visual Workplace Question of the Week. Hmm? And they begin to build more and more of this richness. There is, for me, 
a real correlation between empowerment and the simple structures you put in place that allow people to become powerful. And I have rarely seen shop floor people be involved as an equal member of this three-legged stool. They will often be facilitated or managed by someone else and their brains will be picked and that's important. But this kind of, this team that I'm describing is not that. They are a leg on the three-legged stool. Equal to the champion, equal to the coordinator in terms of being indispensable. Not in terms of the money or the amount of time, but being an indispensable part of that configuration. Hmm? Please think about this. If you are currently doing this or something like it, let me know. Let me interview you. We want to know. I'm happy to interview. I'm a very good. I try to help people feel very safe when we're, we're talking to them. And all we want to know is what was your experience and how can we learn from it? Mm, wouldn't that be great? So next week when we meet, we'll talk about the steering team, and I want to talk to you a little bit more about how the steering teams can help new standards be put into place in terms of their recommendation. And I will talk a little bit more about these meeting norms. Hopefully you'll send in some emails, ask some questions, or ask to call in during the show, and um, we'll have a rich discussion. This is very, very important. It is a structure that is there early on, and it cycles through. It keeps going and going and going and going for decades because it becomes such an important resource. I hope I, I feel that I could have been clearer about the show. I was a little bit thrown at the beginning, but I've really enjoyed beginning to share this with you. And I hope that we have a chance to talk some more next week. I'll do a better job for you. Something is, it must be the weather. It's so beautiful out. I'm going to, I'm going to blame it on the summer. Thank you very much. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth, and I am signing off. It's been a pleasure to talk with you. Bye. We appreciate your joining us this week for The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense. Please tune in for another episode next Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific, featuring your host, Dr. Gwendolyn Galesworth, on the Voice America Business Channel. Thanks again for listening. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.